Daddy's Weird, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Daniel. Hello and welcome to another episode of Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads Podcast. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. And Brayden is with us again. Hello, how are you? If you guys are not following Brayden on Instagram, you should, because it's becoming very, very interesting. <laughs> Your nanny quit. <laughs> My nanny did quit. So you're at home with three, with the triplets and... Your other kid, yes. well, most of the time. What's the daily routine of a dad with triplets? Um, so my husband goes to yoga and is gone to work before anyone else in the house wakes up. Wow. My boys wake up around 6.30. Uh, dad and the girls wake up about 7 a.m. <laughs> so what do the boys yeah, do? Yeah, what do the boys do? They hang out in the room. There's this clock. I'm not promoting, but it's called the Mella Clock. If you have trouble keeping your boys or your girls in their rooms... It turns yellow 30 minutes before they're supposed to get up. It turns green, like, at the time. So my older son knows he's not supposed to leave the room until it turns green, but he can play with his brother. So he always wakes his brother up. They play in the room. Seven o'clock, that door opens. So I've got to be up, showered, and ready to go. Wow. Oh, interesting. We go downstairs, make breakfast, take Kai to school, load all four in the car to do so, pick him up at 12, come back. We have our afternoon activity after lunch and nap and everything. Yeah. So wait a minute, how much, how much time does it take to load all four of them into the car? I'm getting faster. Uh, how, on a, how on a good day, on a good day, five minutes. Wow, wow. that's pretty good. It's, it's not too bad. They, they, if they're cooperating, they'll get in their own seats. You know, I can remember, I feel like at the beginning it seemed to me that it took half an hour to get our kids, like the babies, into the car. From the moment you decide to go out of the house because you have to pack like, you know... Half of the house. Oh, I have right. to pack the night before. <laughs> right. If the car's not packed and I'm looking around for stuff in the morning, I just lose all hope. Are you one of these people who has a real-life burner bag? Like a bag <laughs> that is actually pre-packed and ready to go for like if you decide you want to run out of the house? Because I always thought that was the right thing to do, but it never happens. So I have a lot of that in the car already. So oh, yeah, if we have good. to go somewhere quick... In our case, everything. Y- you can just scrape off things from our car and add water, <laughs> and then you can reconstitute what they should, what they should have. Daddy, that's QR.com. Let's talk planes for a second, Alex. Okay, so I was on a business trip, which once you have children is known as a vacation. <laughs> my husband, Jan, is, is uh, sure to remind me that my leaving to work somewhere else is a vacation. And he's, he's right. It's work true. is vacation. It is. And uh, uh, I uh, was a little frazzled on my trip. And as I left the airplane, I apparently left my laptop in the seat compartment in front of me. Uh, or the little seat back thing. And uh, it is probably gone now, although I'm sure Delta is putting all of their people, their best people on finding it, you know, right now. Um, airplanes are not my friend. Uh, yesterday, Adam asked me, Daddy, what is gay? Oh, well, why didn't you just... So you had this incident in the, in the airplane. Okay, picture this. All right. It's 1996. 1996. It's a long time ago. I'm on a flight from Los Angeles to New York, uh, back home to New York where I used to live. And the f- plane lands and taxis to the, to the gate. And you know how the, the light goes off and everybody stands up, but then you just have to wait for a while because you're waiting for the front door to open and everything like that. And so it also has a tendency to be pretty quiet. 
And so we're all standing there, and about four people in front of me is a man with his kid who's probably, I want to say he's like nine years old or something like that. <clears throat> he says loudly so that everybody can hear, he says, Daddy, what's gay? And suddenly, whatever whispering there might have been in the plane stops. It is now dead silent on the plane, and everyone is listening to this man. And he says, he says, well, let's just say the kid's name is Timmy. Who the hell knows what his name was? Well, Timmy, um, you know how uh, mommy and I met and fell in love, and then we had you? Um, well, sometimes it's not a man and a woman who meet, but it's two men who meet each other and fall in love, and that is called gay. And as soon as he said that, everyone in the plane erupted in applause. There was applause on the airplane because it was like such a, yes, it was such a perfect, perfect answer to what could have otherwise been a difficult question. And, you know, this is an L.A. New York flight, so there was nobody on the plane who was, you know, disgusted and appalled. Or if they were, they kept their, their mouths shut. Yeah, that was a great little experience. Yeah, and, and yesterday I had to experience myself, like not the same exact situation but the same question yeah when they ask what is gay and what is bars what is bars bars, like bars like where you go drinking bar. yeah and <laughs> interesting like, that they bars. asked that at the same time yeah so i'm like bars are places where grown-up goes to dr to drink grown-up drinks i mean how else can you explain yeah. bars to four-year-olds well, yeah we we also walk past these bars where you know there are na practically naked men standing on yeah, speakers in West dancing around Right. Today uh, we're going to talk about communication with babies, and we have uh, Etel Late. Brayden actually brought her to us. So, how did you hear about her in the first place? Um, I did not want to take a mommy and me class because all my female friends had warned me it's more about talking about mommy and oh, post birth and right, that kind yeah. of stuff versus like what to do with your baby. My and it's more breasts of a hangout. Are killing me. Yeah, which, like I mean, that's great. Yeah. And I'm sure I would have had a lot of fun at those, but <laughs> it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. I wanted to get out of the house with Kai and start to educate him and right. start to introduce him to other babies because I didn't have four at the time. Mm -hmm. And I found Etel and her... Maybe so I you Googled her? Oh, possibly. Yep. Just sign language for babies. And wait, 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 wait. So why did you think about going the route of sign language for babies in the first place? So I used to work with special needs kids growing up because uh, uh, that's what my mother did. And we did a lot of sign language with them. Wow. And so for whatever reason, when I had heard about sign language for babies, it just kind of stuck in my head. Right. Oh. Uh, so it was it was something I'm like, OK, I can do this. It's a class. It's not like a wee gym or something else. Mm -hmm. This is something unique. This is more my style. And I found her and her reviews were insane. And she had an app online already and a few other things that I checked out and I loved it. So took her class and I took her second class. <laughs> then we did privates with her at our house. Um, and then we did it again when all, uh, all the babies came. Wow. So yeah, she's, she's a tremendous resource. If, if you're interested, uh, she is so much more than just a baby sign teacher. And right. she gave me so many good foundational things for all my kids that have really helped me develop them to the point where they're at today. Yeah, we're going to hear some of the foundation today. And uh, Alex, do you want to lead us to the interview with your lovely voice and your lovely... Um, uh, you want me to sing? Read, read, I'm, I'm, going reading. To, <laughs> I'm going to sing our sponsorship today. I'm not. Please Daddy's, don't sing. Bleh, I really wasn't going <laughs> to oh, okay. sing. 
Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads Podcast Season 3 is sponsored by Love is Family by ORM Fertility, your gateway to fatherhood. Research begins at loveisfamily.com. And let's go to a tell. Tell, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. Let's uh, dive into the communication thing. So let's start with babies. How and when do we start to communicate with babies? When people ask me about communication, the first thing I ask is, what's the difference between language and speech? Right? What comes first? Language or speech? I guess speech, right? This is just noises that come out of your mouth. Is that what you mean? Right. right. Speech is okay. the ability to take out sounds from, you know, air from your diaphragm and produce sounds like uh, uh, or right. mama, dada, I want, da, da, da. Right? That's my, speech. My husband believes that I'm <clears throat> largely still in the speech in versus language <laughs> phase, but okay. So what is language? So this is when you start using words right. and constructing sentences and things like that. Yeah, yeah? that's verbal language. Right? That's speech. Verbal language is speech. Ah, okay. Right? And language has so many, like, you know, ways, right? For example, with my eyes, that's mm -hmm. language, right? right? With my body, with my body expression, with my eyebrows, with my shoulders. So what comes first, speech or language? Language. <laughs> <laughs> Just for those of you who in the listening audience, she, she helped us along. <laughs> so language comes from when the baby is born, mm -hmm. right? The first time you hold a baby. Remember the first time you hold your baby? Oh, yeah. Right? There was no really speech, right? But there was language. Right. Right? Okay. So there are things that have been said without speech, without words. Are emotion considered language? Exactly. Okay. Right? Like, you know, I always like, this is funny, but the first thing, you know, when they think, in what, what you think, you look at them, it's like, wow. Right. This is the one. Right. right? And they obviously, I'm hungry, or whatever. <laughs> so back to the question, right? When to start communication? Immediately, Immediately, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the minute that you hold them, think about how do you communicate. Mm -hmm. This is the key for communication, even when people don't know each other. So th you think that there is uh, uh, there are parents who don't, um, I don't know, they, they don't communicate it as much as they should because they don't realize that it matters? Right, because they're not, not I don't even know if they don't think that it's mother, it matters. It's the awareness, right? For example, they changed the... You know, they change the diaper, mm -hmm. right? Babies change the diaper. Most parents won't tell the baby, I'm changing a diaper. Uh, oh, your diaper is dirty. Let's change your diaper, right? right they just right. do it. Mm. So this is a preparation to potty training. Because I the see. more you tell your baby, oh, your diaper is ready. Let's change your diaper. So it sends a message to the brain, right? Ah, changing the diaper. Diaper is ready. Da, da, da. Rather than having quiet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Changing the diaper, nothing happens. So the more narrative is going with the baby, with your child at any age, right? The more communication there is. Because My constant talking finally has value. Finally, yeah, I know. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. And speaking from someone who's now taken all of her classes with all of my kids wow. who is going through body training right now. She was my daddy and me class. Right. I did not go to a daddy and me, right. so I signed up for her sign shine, sign language class, and it was so much more than that, and everything that I do now, I attribute to the lessons that she taught Thank me you. in those oh. classes. What, what, so what, do, what is that? What do, what do you do Yeah, there? tell so us about at these. at Signshine, it's not only that I teach people think, oh, baby sign language. This is really not about baby sign language. At Signshine, it's about communication. 
Mm-hmm. It's to learn the awareness, mm-hmm. like all the trick and tools of how do I communicate with my child in order so to prepare them. So it's not teaching the baby, them. it's more of the parent? Both. Okay. So I teach the parents and they go home and they teach the babies and slowly, slowly they're more independent when they're like communicating with me. Right. The babies right. are with us though in class. Uh, yes, yes. Make it wow. clear the babies are, you know, together in the class. And it's amazing even to see the babies like, you know, playing alone, being more clingy to the parents and slowly, slowly... You know, acknowledging other babies, mm-hmm. looking at other babies, holding, then playing with them, yep. you know, making friends. So it's all right. like a, a journey together of communication. Right. You see, Brandon, it's like, wow. Have you seen him communicating with his kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. look, I, yes. saw him, I saw him with his kids <laughs> mm-hmm. and everything was going so well. Right. They were being so cute. Mm-hmm. And it just, there was a little bit of mild hatred on my part, but it passed. <laughs> <laughs> because so, it didn't start from, okay, let's start party training today. Let's start communicating today. He started all these routines from, you know, what, day one, right? It's always about... Day one with them, yeah, a little bit later with Kai because I hadn't met you until he was probably four months old. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go into something like extremely difficult. I think not for babies, but for any age, like how to communicate no. Mm. Okay, so when and you when mean do no you start? ages are like... Like, uh, don't do that. 30, right? That's what you mean. <laughs> he, he means him. How does he process when someone tells his no today? Yeah, yeah no but, one tells him no. But I'm actually yes. very thankful that he's asking that question because I think that Jan... He doesn't know how to say no. I do you know. Should, you should see their body communication right now. They're all like with their hands, like pointing yeah. at each other. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but, but seriously, one of yeah. the things that I have seen is... Um, that Jan naturally has the ability to communicate no to the children in a way that is um, more likely to stick and less likely to result in a tantrum. Mm-hmm. And when I do it, it doesn't stick and it results in a tantrum. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's tremendously frustrating for me. Um, and I would love to understand, yes, I think the question of... It's the Israeli factor. Exactly. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us all what that means? Because so. I think there are a lot of parents who might move to Israel immediately <laughs> if they thought that it would solve this problem. Right. So I don't know what Janir did, but I was a commander in the Israeli intelligence. So when I say no, it's no. But w- but, but no. But let's, <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually got scared for it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not that scary. But um, so first, before the no, let's create a yes environment, right? Because if there is just, for example, something that they go and they play with and you don't want them to touch, just take this thing out and stop saying no, no, no. So let's create the yes environment. Okay, so there is less, like less ways to say no. You know, right. if you can compromise, right? That's if they jump on something, just take it out for a year or two. I'm really curious, and I believe that we have to raise curious kids. Right. So if you provide something to have them curious, don't be like surprised when they're going and doing it. Right. So that's first. And then there are a few things from no, I don't know if you remember that, but you know, first of all, it's the big no. That's the dangerous no, mm. right? For example, mm-hmm. what can be very dangerous that there's no way, like right. running right? into don't the street. Running into the street, right. touching a, uh, the oven. a, where is it? The oven. Exactly, yeah. oven in the night, yeah. right? So for that, I ask parents to invent a sound that it's almost like an alarm. I like the ah, 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 uh, but be quiet after. That was, by the way, a total Israeli sound that you guys just... <laughs> <laughs> Please go. I don't know any Israelis that will do ah, ah, ah. They will be like, no. <laughs> Big loud. Okay, so... I mean, it right. could be ah, 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 it could be anything you come up with. And it has this effect of being 
quick and sharp. Right. And you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. Then okay. And you you're very and you're silent after, mm-hmm. right? Because if you add anything after, it loses its power. Like right. ah, 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 or boom, done. You know they mm-hmm. freeze. Something to have them freeze. You want them to freeze when they run right. to the street, right? Right. Right. Or when they. Yeah. You know, touch the oven. You want them to freeze. Right. Right. Okay. Then, you know, there are two kinds of no's, right? There is the no of we don't do it, right? For example, a child is uh, throwing blocks on his friend, right? right. I mean, it's not really like harm, hopefully. No. <laughs> right? And you say, oh, you know, we don't throw the blocks, you know, we, it's not you, no, you, you, you. We don't throw the blocks and you give an immediate alternative. We okay. throw the ball. Right? Yeah. We don't eat leaves, we eat and give something to eat. So there is an alternative because usually when kids do something, I mean, you can, what are they going to do instead? Stand and look at you? <laughs> right? I don't like when people tell me to stop. I need an alternative right, right away. Think about right. you. Alex is learning. Yeah. You, see, you see his face? Very <laughs> What do you say no to him about? <laughs> yes, I've been uncharacteristically quiet because this is fascinating and, and it's very new information for me because I don't know that I've actually quite thought about it that way before. I've always been a little bit nervous about the idea that in saying no but offering a replacement, mm-hmm. I might be um, establishing a pattern where there's an expectation mm-hmm. that it's never a simple no, that there will always be, yeah, but I got this for you instead, yes. right? And do you are you concerned with the idea that the child won't learn the idea that look sometimes it's just no and i'm not going to pull something out of my pocket Mm -hmm. in order to make it feel better yeah so remember i said there are two no's one is to find an alternative to see what they're doing it are Uh, they bored they need to like you know um kind of like take out their energy so that's the no that i will find an alternative and sometimes you're right there's Uh, no no going into the lawyer mode, you know? Because right. the older they get, oh, yes. Yeah. We have yeah. that, yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, my God. You're the only parent. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we have twins, and uh-huh. one of them does that like you would not believe, and the other doesn't. Right. It's incredible. Yeah. And there's a simple talk, no. This, this is the rule in our house. We don't da-da-da, right? Don't go into the negotiation and the talking, because that creates a lot of like, ah, you know, I can convince them, and that's an art for itself for kids, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not even about doing it. It's just about convincing you to do that. So you did not say why. There is no, like, one formula for all. You know, I've read so many books. I've seen so many experts, you know, parenting experts, and they come up with one formula that is for all. I trust parents. Right. I think that you're smart enough to sometimes give the reason, you know, that, you know, that really you're hurting the dog. Right. right, right, right. Or sometimes this is the rule in our house. We don't splash water, like you know, in the living room. Right. Well, and I can tell you from experience with Kai, he would go in phases. So there would be mm-hmm. some days where he thought it was appropriate to ask me why I asked him or told him to do or not to do anything. And I right. got to the point and I looked at him and I said, "I am your father," and I gave him the classic line, "No means no." Right. But most of the time, I will explain to him the reasoning behind things. Mm-hmm. I just won't do it if he gets to that point where he's just using it to come after me. Right. He's right. way too strategic. What happens if the kids communicate the no back to us, uh. which happens now for us? Oh boy, does it ever happen. <laughs> yeah, an eloquent one. And he tried to... Right. For in, example, give me an so example. So it's the hard no I'm talking about, right? So I'm saying Let's like, go don't outside. go... 
yeah, don't go to the don't don't go out to the street. It's very dangerous. There's no way you can do it like something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, when I don't give him iPad, so right. he will go. There's no way you can do that. I'm saying that this is your like exactly you yeah. know the the exact same terminology that mm-hmm. he hears either from us or from his teachers probably. Right. Some right. of these are surprising to us. So yeah, and so that's he's what smart. They do. He's yeah. learning <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, it's so funny what? because but it puts you in a position where you have to, you, you have to explain to them why. No, see, that's not the way it works. It turns out we do that, and then and he communicates that. that. Yeah. So he would say to us, you know, that's not how how it works. The way it's gonna <laughs> yes. work is that you're gonna give me the iPad. Yeah. yeah. So so we're going back to the negotiation and yeah. being the lawyer, and and that's okay. That's part of the development, and that shows you that whatever you say or do, they follow. Mm-hmm. First, they watch you, which is great. And it's okay to be the parent who says no without an explanation. Right. That's, you know, we have to make sure that there are roles in the house. You're the child. I'm the parent. It's not that I'm, you know, abusing it, but that's the roles in the house. Mm. My little trick when they say no, when you know that it's going to say no, it's choices. Silly choices, right? Do you want the black shoes or the white? You choose it, right? When uh, In my sunshine toddler's classes, many times they say no. Do you want to start with a surprise box or do you want to do the sun song? Well, wait, go back for a second. Sure. So I don't really understand the context. Sure. They said no to something and then you said that? I I, I avoid the no when I know that it's going to come, oh. right? If you know that it's constantly, they say no, like you said, the iPad. I don't know if it's a, yeah. is it a constant thing about the iPad when they say no, I'm not going to give it to you? Well, we're saying I'm not going to. Yeah, and we're then he says back. And, and he's, he says back, uh, here are your choices. Right. Uh, you can either give me now the iPad yes. or mm-hmm. something really bad is going to happen. Yeah, but he doesn't <laughs> say know. what. Well, no, he has also <laughs> yes. said, I'm going to take your phone. Oh, he does. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 You know, that's part of being the lawyer. That's right. fine. But, yeah. in, but you're right. You know, if, they do, if you do in advance the choices with them, in advance, then there is no wait for communication. So, you can say there is no discussion. Mm. This is it. So you're saying, like, don't ask him, do you want to go to the bath now? Do you want to go to the bath with bubble or if that? You know if, that it's a it's constant thing. Oh, right. that's interesting. Oh, I see. Right. Do you want to jump like uh, frogs to the bathroom or do you want to race like cars to the bathroom? So basically you're giving them two choices, but both choices ultimately accomplish going what to it the is the Yeah, I like that. That's very clever. That works in relationships too. <laughs> we'll test that out later on this evening. Um, right. I want to... And there is a thing of like, you know, if you ask me one more question, this is going to be taken away. This is when really, really things go south, right? When right. they're over and over questioning and you say, right. I made my decision. If you ask more more time, there is no iPad for the right. next two days. This is when really, it's just they're right. trying you again and again and you being quiet after, no more discussion and they take you serious. You'll be amazed when you're serious, they will take you seriously. So, you know, um, so <clears throat> sorry, we had um, a period of time where our kids were jumping in a bathtub, which was mm-hmm. d- very dangerous. And we try to communicate it to them that it's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. There are two boys at three, three and a half. We just need to turn our back and they're doing it again. Until one time, one of them got a deep cut and we had to the hospital. We had Uh to go to the hospital and get stitches. So now I'm using that. But before that, I felt kind of helpless. Like, how can you, they don't know what it means. So for that, I would, if you really don't know, there's so many books about Every subject you can imagine. 
So I always tell parents, if you've never been to any experience, go to the library, find a book, go to Amazon, find a book about this experience, mm-hmm. and just you know experience that with them. You mean like right? um, about getting hurt, uh, right. about, I see. Like jumping or doing something. But I want to actually bring a conversation level up. In the way that we are teaching kids no, in every, you know, the way that I showed you, you're teaching kids how to set boundaries, mm-hmm. which is the hardest thing for adults. I, I'll ask, <laughs> right, I'll ask any adult, do you know how to set boundaries? And they think they do, or immediately they're thinking about yelling, being upset, or giving the silent treatment. Like, they don't know what boundaries are. And really, boundaries, it's not to the other person, it's to your, to you. And I sit over and over and over with parents, right? Don't do it. If you do it one more time, da 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 da, da. Does it happen? No. Nah. If you do it one more time, da da da, da. It's the last time. Da. Okay. <laughs> In the remainder of this podcast recording, my husband is not allowed to point at me or poke me, uh, <laughs> indicating the extent to which I suck as parent. <laughs> I, we are not born parents. No, that's true. Certainly not. Mm-hmm. Not in my case. So what right. do you think is the three most important signs uh-huh. that we should teach our babies? So it's really not about the signs. I call it the three F signs. And I'm actually signing the word F because okay. parents will remember that. The three yeah. F signs, right? Okay. The first one is functional. Usually it's most common to every household. So functional, for example, milk. Yes. Sorry, I'm signing milk right now. Yes. (laughs) We will put up these signs on Daddy Squared. Uh, So one is milk or uh, daddy or diaper, something that is functional. Yes. So wait, daddy is actually the actual sign language. It's not something you you made up. I didn't make up anything. It's all oh, so it's all sign, sign language. language. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, so yeah, because so baby like signs, you're just teaching them signs that they would use, but they are ASL signs. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. ASL, American, American Sign Language. Yeah. Right. The second F... Right, so we have the functional is fun signs. And fun signs can be a toy or a pet in your home that's not necessarily in every home. Mm. So for example, uh, what's their favorite toy now? Anything that moves, anything, anything with wheels. <laughs> so car, <laughs> right? Right. No, but in another household it will be a bear or mm-hmm. Sophie the giraffe. Did you have Sophie the giraffe? We had Sophie. Oh, yeah. I don't know how come I didn't She has made that. it into every household. Right. Every household. Oh, Crazy. So many different versions there. Yeah. yeah. Right, vanilla, uh, a giraffe, or so that's the fun signs, right? And the last one is feeling, because I want to expose my kids to feelings mm. really in a young age, right? So usually it's happy or frustrated or curious, some, one feeling. Mm-hmm. So again, functional, one sign that is functional, one sign that is fun, and the last one is feeling. A feeling. Oh man! All of our first signs were always food. Mm-hmm. So we start with breakfast, and it's what do you what do you want? And all my kids start with avocado, or they'll sign eggs, or you know wow. if they want milk or water to drink. They are they, they were all signing with their hands first. How many do you know? How, how many? many do I don't even know. Hundreds. Oh, wow! I've spent oh, yeah. many, many, many weeks with Tal over the last <laughs> three and a half years. Um, yeah, no, a lot. And, and anything you, you don't know, yeah, you do practice. And she has an app out there, which is fantastic. So you teach them songs and you teach them the signs through the songs. Mm-hmm. But then every time we would get to one we didn't know, you Google it. Mm-hmm. Right. You have the sign and they pick it up within a few days. And the app is called? Signshine. And so you we can, will provide uh, links yeah. from yeah, daddysqr.com. Right. The one sign that I really want to emphasize not to sign, which is somehow the sign that everyone signs, 
Yeah. Do you know what it is? No. More. Yes. What? I mean, no. Oh, yeah. more. More. No more more. Because parents are so excited. The child is signing more. And they're like, yeah, my child is signing. <laughs> but okay, let me show you. Okay, I'm signing now more. More. What do I want? More. More what? Oh, I see. So now more becomes like a cry and uh, like pointing. Right. right. So we're taking out the method of like, okay, let's be articulate. Yeah, you have let's to exactly. specify. And exactly. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And these kids grow up to be really specific, articulate, communicative, because they're from a young age. They know to tell you exactly what they want. I think you scared me so much with that. I don't even teach them the word more. <laughs> if they want more I of something, I just, what, what would you like more of? Even if I know that it's already in front of a right. room, covered that sign, right. they have to tell me what it is. See, sometimes I'm scared. <laughs> Excellent. Right, tell me, so uh, what, what kind of toys do you recommend for babies? I like that less is more. When I go to um, home visits, I can tell about the family a lot by how many toys are in the playroom, mm. right? In the play area on the floor. Is it a mass of toys or is it just a few? Less is more. Wait, what, what does it mean about right. the family? That it's, oh, it's all about the more and more toys and maybe a little bit of anxiety about providing everything at once mm. rather than one or two and change the toys. When you come to my studio, everything is labeled in white um, bins, right? And every time I take out something else, right? Completely mm -hmm. something else. And that really stimulates the curiosity of the child. They're really going to play with a toy. Then they'll focus. Than, exactly. Yeah. Because what happened, there is like an overload of stimulation. Boom. So many right. toys, colors. Now, so wait, until which age do you recommend that? Any age? Any age. Any wow. age. Well, and right. for those parents out there who yeah. already got to the point where I was because my mother loves to buy things mm -hmm. from oh, Amazon yeah. and have weekly shipments come to my house, <laughs> take them, put them in a box, put them away, keep yeah. out 10% of them, and then rotate them. Yes. And the kids, every time they come back out, the kids think they're brand new and you still follow what it tells suggesting. Yeah, right. thank you for that. Yeah, and I, and I advise, like, have Monday or Sunday. You know, you're with the kids. Have Sunday rotating the toys or rotating the puzzles, or rotating the books, rotate. It's for them, yeah, you're right. It's like they're new, mm -hmm. you have something new. So it's really not about what, I mean, of course, there is a list of what toys I have on Amazon. I can link it to you if exactly by yeah. the age what is recommended. But it's more about being mindful of how many I take out and how they're creating, even boredom. Let them be bored. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Oh, today, being bored and children yeah. doesn't go together, right? Right. Even with us, right? <laughs> How do you feel about screens? Hmm. So, again, the question is, what is the goal of giving screen? Is it a babysitter? Sometimes it, it, it has to be. <laughs> On a flight to Israel, it's a babysitter. <laughs> right. And like no matter what hours. you say, they're getting them All on right. the way to, on that flight. <laughs> but please continue. <laughs> what age? What is the purpose? Mm. Who really came up with the app? Go and search the developer. Is the developer is someone that is a developer or education? You know, it's like right. educator. I would search any of that before I will let my kids. Can they just, you know, it's all about the swiping, all the information. Before any app, sit with them for the first few times and see what can you, you try it with right. them. Right? It's a new mm -hmm. thing for both of us. Um, I discussed with Brayden before the show that, you know, their brain is actually changing. It's not like our brain. 
know, there are studies that shows that their brain is more like a web. Mm, you right. know, think about Google. You want to know, you know, when we wanted to know something when we were kids, what did we do? Ask our parents. Right. <laughs> or go to the encyclopedia in the library, <laughs> right. Right? right? When they want to know something, what did they do? Google. Yeah. Google. And yeah. then what happens is one information leads to another and another and another. So it's like a web. Mm-hmm. It's nonlinear, yeah. right? right? We want to kind of like support that. Can come right. against, you know, science. That's what happens. But we have to keep in mind who's using it. You know, is it marketing app? Right. Is it educational? What exactly does it do? And and when do I give it? Is it every time I like a babysitter? So it's to, you know, uh, avoid boredom? Mm because boredom is okay, yeah. or will he, oh, okay, let's do a little bit of uptime and put the timer. Boredom feels like it's impossible, because what I mean is, if they're bored, they will not be bored, but that might yeah. come at the expense of the family furniture, <laughs> or, you know, like, it could, it, and so I guess my question is, what do you think boredom should look like for a four-year-old that is not, you know, destructive? Trying or, to make slime. Right. What am I getting wrong in the way I'm looking at this? Fear. Oh, I'm terrified. But That's yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anything we do with our kids doesn't have to be hours on hours. Right. You know, boredom can be 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Even time it. 10 minutes. And you'll be amazed. They will find something to do without destroying the furniture. Mm. So just start, like, you know, with a tiny bit of, like, acronyms of time, like five minutes. Right. I'm gonna, five minutes. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. Five minutes. I'm not going to provide with anything. See what happens. Right. Right. Put the crayons and the paper and don't guide them into it. Just put them out there. Right. And then see what happens. Right. Put the puzzle, one puzzle, one thing, two toys, and just see what happens without guiding them. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's our fear. What will happen? They, they will destroy the house. No, they won't. Because you're not leaving them for three hours. It's 10 minutes. You know, four years old, I would leave them for 10, 15 minutes to see what happens. So I have a question. I kind of grew up as an only child for the mm. first 10 years of my life. So I was bored all right. the time. I went to private school 45 minutes away. I didn't have friends that lived close by. Mm. I would sit there and play with action figures and make up scenes in my head for hours. But to your point, my kids all have built-in friends now. There's four of them. Right. Yeah. So they always have someone to play with. So mm-hmm. to to your to your boredom issue, should we create more of like a forced boredom? Should I separate them as they get older and put them in different rooms? Wow, that's a great question. I think this is organically for your family. I'm the oldest of six. And for me, those moments that they were separate us, I wished for that. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that. Right. Right? So I created that to myself. I used to love books. I used to go and read the books because that would create my time. Right? So it's all about learning how to grow within your family settings. Right? So it is for your family. They're for and they're going to be for. And they will actually find a way to go by themselves. Right? Mm. But not always providing with stimulation. Always. You know, this generation of parents, you know, it's the fear of like, we always have to provide with something, something. That's the, the idea. Do you have any tips for, uh, for teaching them how to share? Yes, don't share. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, really that's solved then right. for us because right. they don't like to share. It's really hard to share. You know, in different ages, as the young, they have like this, oh, that's, that belongs to me. But first is showing them that you share and just verbalize it. Oh, I'm sharing. You know, when you share, you get more. This is my mantra in my house. When you share, you get more. Mm-hmm. And I show them little miracles. Okay. Um, 
literally when you share and then something will happen like you see what happens when you share i make a big deal out of it you see, drama you see what happens when you share all of a sudden that happened to you right yeah. because it's all what is about sharing you know it i know for little kids it's about the toys right but yeah. sharing is sharing your time sharing yeah. your room sharing your space sharing more than just the toys so it's more about i am sharing my time i'm volunteering I'm going places, I'm inviting other people to our home, right. right? So it's all about, they watch you. They constantly watch you. Mm-hmm. And making like the story about the sharing rather than you have to share with your brother, mm-hmm. right? That's Do you think that for twins or triplets, it's uh, mm-hmm. harder to share because they're kind of used to get everything together. Mm-hmm. So they, everyone wants to claim what they're on? Again, I don't like to put tags on. So what about family of six? What about family of eight? What about twins, triplets? It's really about the child too. Some kids tend to, oh, okay, here you go. And some right. not, right? So it's, it's about the, the story. Exactly, personality and the story in the family. I see families that are more open, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like more natural than families that are like, oh, you have to share, you know, then they resist a little bit more. Everything yeah. that comes out of like, you have to, Right? Yeah. Well, I can tell you, my girls will pass stuff back and forth, and it's just seamless. <coughs> like, I've never had to teach them to share, and if you take oh, something and throw in, oh, I'm not done. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but my boys, on the other hand, yeah. you take something from my youngest one, and he loses his mind. Right. You yeah. think that he just got pushed down a flight of stairs or yeah. something. Capitalist. And older one, <laughs> yes, and the <laughs> older one is getting to the point, even though he does share with them, if he gets something and it's new, and they take it when he's not touching it, he wants it right back. Right. So we've had to have a lot of conversation about that. So what, what kind of conversation? What? The conversation is just how would you feel if they took right. this from you? You know, they were playing with it. Let's right. let them play with it. You weren't playing with it right now. Right. And when they're finished, which they're normally finished by the time I'm talking to them because I tend to talk <laughs> a little bit longer than I should. <laughs> by the time I finish talking to them, they're off on something else, and then he has it back. So we're, we're working through it, and it's mm-hmm. nothing... He's not hitting them or doing anything like that. He's just a little bit aggressive in the way he takes right, it. Right. So we've been working through. Well, it's interesting, right? right? Because people um, are people naturally understand property from birth. I mean, property, <laughs> right? Because right. that which is mine is mine. Sometimes that which is yours is also mine. Right. But you know, they understand the concept of property. It's the other side that has to be introduced and taught and celebrated as you're describing because you know why would i give something that i have to you why yeah and explaining that or representing that is is the challenge and i like what you're saying about yeah but also on the on the other hand it's okay to have something that is only yours right right it's okay and it's teaching the others this is really <coughs> something that is his or hers and we have to respect that, right? You know, yeah. Uh, and that's teaching in the world. Sometimes we don't just go to other people and we take it because we like it because we need to share, right? Right. So it's also teaching. Okay, what is the com- what belongs to everyone, and what we need to like respect the person, and that's theirs. So let me ask you about this is the Gay Dads podcast, and so it's important for us to talk um, a little bit about the question of. Um, gender in communication. So um, we don't have any women raising the kids. Well, the teachers are all of their teachers are, are women, but oh, it, in our in our kids' class, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at home, two two dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there are there differences from your experience in the way that a woman would communicate naturally with 
her children or the way a man would communicate naturally with his children? And what do you get out of those two elements and the mixture between the two of them? Right. So you know my philosophy already. I don't like to tag. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I find that it's not about the mom or the dad. It's about the role that they're holding. If it's, you know, it's not about the gender. It's mm-hmm. about how they communicate with the children as the role. If I know that people say, like, mommy role or daddy role. It's just like, what is it in your relationship? That's right. it. Right? I grew up, I said, six kids, right? We are four girls, mm-hmm. right? My, when he used to ask my dad, how many kids do you have? He never used to say four girls used to say a daughter, a girl, and two babies. Like, you know, <laughs> Hebrew goes with the gender. Never said four girls. And then my parents got divorced when I was 14. My brothers, you know, two younger brothers. And they grew up with five women. Right. Right? All communicating with them. And each one of us had a role. It's not that we had five women, five female. Each one of them had a role in their lives, you know, until today. They mention it. So it's really how you grow up, what is the family dynamics, and how each one of you is communicating. Mm-hmm. You know, labeling is like, you know, we can do it with anything, but it's just, right. okay, how do you see the communication? And it's always like, you know, each one of the partners, if there are two in the house, sometimes it's one, right? Well, just kind of like find, you know, the one thing that they're good at and comp- in the ideal one is compromise, you know, with the other one mm-hmm. instead of fighting over it. Oh, right. you said this or that, you know. Yeah. Right. I call it left brain and right brain. So are you ready to hear? Mm-hmm. Right. In every relationship, they're more of a right brain and a left brain. And when you acknowledge that with your partner or with the other parent or with, you know, the uh, how they are in the house, like it sounds to me that your kids are left brain and right brain. Ah. This is how they solve problems. Right brain is more what? That's the creative, uh, emotional. Right, emotional, out of the box, more touchy, visual, right? Left brain is more of? Pragmatic and analytic and... Right, logic. There's formulas to things. This is the way... You you can see kids who do Legos, right? You can see who's the right brain and left brain, right? By the way, sign language with children is the only... the only language that you provide with them that stimulate right and left brain at the same time. Because mm. language comes from the left side, but sign language is visual. Mm. So here we go. We stimulate the brain in a really amazing way, and they prove that uh, children's IQ is higher when they sign. Wow, that's right? interesting. So let's go back to the dynamics you know, in the house. Think about what is my partner, left brain, right brain? My kids. How they do like a left brain, left right brain. See, so here's something interesting because my husband's a, a CFO. He's very left brained at work, and I make fun of him because when he gets home, there's like no intelligence left when he gets to the house. <laughs> Whereas naturally, I'm a much more creative person mm-hmm. in my life. Now, cut to our roles as parents. He comes home and he is fun dad and he wants to play and he plays cars all day. Whereas I'm the one that's like, okay. We're going to go to this school. We're going to do sign language. We're going right. to do swimming. We're going to do dance. We're going to do band class. We're going to do all this stuff. I ha- I like turn on my left brain at home, and mm-hmm. I'm the left brain parent, even though that wasn't naturally my inclination as a human being. Right. Um, that's your uh, natural inclination as a parent. Okay. Right? So it yes. doesn't necessarily matter what you are in your normal life. It's what you are as a parent. Exactly. I'm okay. a very creative person. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, right brain, but at my, you know, when I developed all the curriculum for sign and I do all that, this is my left brain comes in, 
right? It doesn't mean that you're not using both. You can take one area and use it. And you're a left brain parent. Yes, absolutely. And when he comes, it's like, oh, I want to be a right brain parent. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't listened to you guys for the last 10 seconds because I've been trying to figure out what brain you are. <laughs> um, what do you think you are? <sighs> totally left. Listen to the sigh. <sighs> no, it's difficult because I am... Uh, an analytical person, very logical, but I fly into, you know, hysterical crying fits when things are beautiful, like nobody's business. And, uh, oh. oh, yeah. I mean, I'm talking about television commercials sometimes will just no, cause but me with that. our kids. And it's with ridiculous. the kids? What's ridiculous? That I'm no. all analytical? When, the, when they're sharing, he cries. Oh, when oh. they share with each other, I turn into a pool of liquid on the floor. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Uh, but so I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't mean that you're not emotional. It means like, how do you solve the problems with them? Oh, yeah, right? I try to do That's, that all analytically. Right. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I fail at it very often, but I try. <laughs> so then, Jan, are you more right brain with the kids? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's a combination of the two. Like, supporting right. to yeah. that single parent needs to oh, usually provides with one and then the other person. Right. Right. Last question. You know it's winter right now, not in L.A., but in other places that pe- kids <laughs> have to stay at home. Where there's weather. Yeah. Where there's yes. weather. And sometimes we kind of go crazy with activities <clears throat> that we can do with them. At home, do you have any recommendations for? You mean your lacking of activities? Lack, lack of, of activities. Lack of activities. I like to have the center of the house as a very like creative, rotating thing. So, for example, you come one time, you take like a, a butcher paper, you put it right, and one time you just put crayons and plates, mm-hmm. and look what happens, mm-hmm. right? The other time you put like. Um, Bubbles, you know, from Amazon right. and see yeah. what happens, right? And Ultimately, everything is from Amazon, but exactly. I know what you mean. Right. <laughs> you know, the wrappers. Yes. Like, let's get you all, or one time, just take the boxes from Amazon, put it in the living room. Right. But every time, remember one thing mm. and let them be creative and do it together as a family. How about making dinner together, right? right. Making a, a cake together for someone's birthday or, you know, making cookies and tomorrow give it in uh, after school. Right. But every time, some, and I know sometimes thinking about these ideas can be exhausting. Yeah. Like, what do I have to do it every time? But, yeah, that's part of parenthood. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's one more thing you could Please. buy from Amazon yes. that you could do with your kids in the winter, and it's buy a book. Right. Yes. And I think there's there's one in oh, particular is, right is now. there a particular yes. book to which we might be referring? I think there's a particular book. Do you want to tell us about it? Absolutely. It's my second book, which is a series of five books, and the name is Where is Water? And it's about a little fish, curious fish, that asks his parents, where is water? And when I was about to publish the book, I thought, wait, why mommy and daddy? <laughs> How about mommy and mama? How about daddy and papa? And then came the idea of how, am I, uh, how about only mommy mm-hmm. and only daddy? And I searched and looked, and there's no books that you can actually choose the option. It's just like, right. wow, right? So I decided, okay, I'll be the first one. So I published the book in five versions. That's why it's a series of five books. And people can choose according to their family or to someone else that they give them how they want to read the book. Oh, that's I great. I honestly think that every book should be like that. Yes. I see the answer Alex is yes. <laughs> well, I would say it depends, right? There is something valuable about the fact that some of the books that my <laughs> kids read are specifically not about their family structure, 
Right. right, that they're exposed to the fact that there are mommies and daddies. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to raise my kids in such a way that they thought that this is what everybody. Well, but has. all of the books are mommies and daddies. That's right. Mean, exactly. Mean, That's right. Like, yeah, you can I mean, choose whatever family you want to expose your you kids to. How if you had at yeah. least ten, twenty, thirty books that you can choose, and not always have to be read like right. that? It's Every wonderful. time that I worked with Braden family, I had to be really mindful of what book am I reading with the kids. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes well, a lot even, of sense. And even as dads, if we really wanted to go over the top, we would buy all the different versions of books or have at least one with a single mom. Right. So right. That when they have that friend at school, mm-hmm. it's not, oh, why do you only have one mom? Because right. they've already been exposed to that. And so right. when they meet that friend that only has a mom in their life or only has a dad in their life or, or two moms, mm-hmm. yeah. that that's already somewhat normal to them. Yeah, right. that right. makes that's that's wonderful. Wow. Etel, thank you so much. Thank it's you been, for uh, having me. We learned a lot, right, Alex? No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Etel. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much and keep shining. Daddy's Beard, the gay dad podcast with Alex Megan and Jan Beckham. I want to say that, um, you know, in all of our interviews, I, I, I love the back and forth and talking to the people that we interview. And I, I have a lot of questions and I have a lot of challenges to the things that they say. And I jump in a lot. I don't know if you noticed, but with her. Yeah, she just sh- she shut me up. Shut. Yeah. She, she <laughs> shut me up a lot. And the reason why is because so many of the things that she said made me, I had to sit there and really think about it and think about how it has affected, you know, what do I do and how is it different from what, what she teaches? She, she's good. She's good. No, wait, have you guys used any of it yet? So here's the thing. We tried at, the thing that we tried at home is that uh, to put some stuff and see what happens. Like, so I take out like crayons and, and paper and see what happens. Alex, did you see what yeah, happens when yeah. you clean? It stays the same. <laughs> yeah. Nothing happens, <laughs> well, really. And I'm like, please, please, just take a look at what I've done for you right here. Just but let's point it. out that what she's trying to say, what she explained, is that you can do things like that if there aren't also a thousand other toys and things to do surrounding them. And what we have not successfully done is so here's our thing. austerity measure with respect to toys. No, there are so, toys but, everywhere. But first of all... There's much less than it used to be. So that's the one thing that I took from her is yeah. that the amount of toys we used to have like like packed things mm-hmm. are like lying up here like nobody's business. Yeah. So the th- first thing that I did is came home that day. That day I started and started like make things disappear. So everything is now in our room. Like I, it's in closets, like, in, I, like it's packed inside. <laughs> and I try like gradually to to leave the room empty we look through the books we see what book they want they love the most like just reduce the amount of stuff that they have yeah it hasn't worked yet but i think that the reason why it didn't work yet is that because they're still they're not they don't miss it yet so it's it's gonna i feel that it's gonna take a little while for them to forget about it and then to bring it as if it's a new toy Mm -hmm. um and maybe then it will work uh, so still, let still me give you an thing. example of what I do, just a okay. really simple one. <clears throat> so Kai loves anything with wheels, mm-hmm. okay? And the kids race around their cars and everything else. And you've seen in my house, like there's things yeah. out. But specifically, he's got his Disney Cars track. He's got his Brio set. He has a couple things like that. So if all those were out all the time, he doesn't even really look at it. So what we'll do is one week we'll have Brio out. 
and he'll build the track almost all the way around the house until it's time to yeah. clean the house. And then we'll pack that up and we'll put it away. And like right now, he has his cars track out and he's using it again. Whereas before, it was set up on my dining room table and nobody was touching it. Right. Nobody was playing with it. It was just an eyesore. Right. Um, so things like that, we'd rotate. But I think if you choose a couple things that they loved at one point in time, and like you said, put it away and just bring one back out and have mm-hmm. everything else put away. And I think what Atel is saying too is if you bring them to this table and you put some things and you have them sit at the table, then see what they do. Not just like put it out, but they're over here in the right. living room. Yeah. You have to yeah. kind of direct them to the activity oh. until they get used to, okay, great, we're going to color now. And they're used to coloring Right, at home. oh. You know, yeah, I just put the things on the table here and and um, and left and just and like okay. <laughs> well, you were close. You were close. You're, close. You're <laughs> getting there. It's funny because it does. It reminds me a little bit of um, of food, of meals. So one of the things I figured out about I don't know, maybe it's even two years ago when they were two years old, is that when I would sit there with them and the food was in front of them and I would in any way encourage them, it was a mistake. It didn't work. But literally, if I got up and left the table and walked into the kitchen or whatever and just left them there with the food in front of them, Mm -hmm. they'd start to eat it. There's something about the kind of um, the, the, the pressure that comes from the parent saying, this is what we're doing. Um, so I agree with you that on one hand, you need to lead them there. But on the other hand, I think that st- sort of standing over them and saying, well, this is what we're playing with right now, especially at certain ages, is going to backfire. Oh, no, don't tell them to do it. Just right. bring them to the table, sit them down, and that's there. But if you just put it on the table and they're over in the other room, they're never right. going to come over here right. and sit down and color. Right. And two years old, by the way, since I'm about to go through that right yes. now. You can't feed them at two years old. You have to put the food down. When they're hungry, they will eat. Right. If they're not hungry, they won't. And you have to reintroduce the food 10 times before they decide if they like it. That is the bane of my existence right now. I'm like, you're not going to grow. They're going to grow. They grow anyway. They grow anyway. We just had our pediatrician visit. They're getting huge. (laughs) That is good. Let's talk about her book for a second, because I think every book should have that option to pick like which kind of family you Mm -hmm. want to introduce your kids to. But yeah, I think every book should allow you to choose the family that fits yours. And then, you know, to your point in the interview, we definitely still need the exposure to everything else. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the book, right? If it's a book that's about uh, guiding you as a parent, then I agree. It should have versions for two dads and two moms and, um, you know, single mom and whatever. Um, But on the other hand, I think when it comes to things like fiction and, um, uh, well, let's just stay with fiction. Well, we're talking children's books right now. (laughs) Yes. We're not talking uh, Star Trek. so, 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 yeah, but... But children's books are fiction. And what I'm saying is that when it comes to that, going back to what I said in the interview, look, I I wouldn't want my kids to read books that made it seem as if, you know, um, having two dads was the norm. I don't want them to think it's the norm because it's not the norm. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's not bad to not be the norm. It's just it's it's important for children to contextualize themselves in the real world that they live in. And in that world, we are unusual, not wrong, not bad, just unusual. And that's cool. And I'd much rather teach my children that unusual is cool than teach my children, don't worry, everybody has two dads, you know. Yeah, I I agree. I think when they're as young as all of our combined children are, for the most part, though, 
for them to constantly see an image because a lot of times the dad's not even in the book. All the books right. I read, it seems like the mother is always predominantly yeah. in the story, and right. it's like mom in an apron, kid, mom in an apron, kid. Yeah, and it's it's a. I don't know. I feel like this young, it'd be better for them to just see what is reflected at home. And when they're a little bit older and you can, they have more reason and understanding. Hmm. That's when I guess I agree with you more on the context of the books being more what they'd see out in the world. Right. I also think that uh, uh, books are the easiest to produce rather than have a movie or something, because think about the collective experience of them, not only books. It's movies, songs, I don't know, whatever. Man, and, and, and Disney would have their work cut out for them if they had to go back and reproduce <laughs> all those movies and make them, like, you know, gay-friendly. Woof! No, but I'm saying that the collective experience has to have something that is, you know, about dads and no dad's family. No doubt. Completely. Whatever. Anyway, if you guys have any ideas or comments or uh, criticism to Alex's opinions, please write to us. <laughs> Hello at daddysqr.com. You're going to do me a huge favor. Right, because, you know, it's tiring for my husband to criticize me. All so the time. Please pitch in. You can also text us or call us at 213-793-8939. And you know that uh, we get some... Uh, some dirty calls and, well, and propositions, yeah. and we don't mean that. Yeah, we, we, we that. do appreciate the young man who offered to be our houseboy. Um, <laughs> we're, yeah, we, I wasn't, I was like, but, but why it was would just sending, one? But why would sending a picture of his naked butt be relevant to his being a houseboy? And then I went, Oh, hey, that's what houseboy means. So, yeah, um, not really into that stuff as much as, you know. As the actual comments on what we're yeah, talking. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, we also have a, a Facebook group. If you guys haven't joined yet, you're welcome to do so. And, you know, I posted this week on Instagram a video of me after I dropped the kids and one of the, I saw one of the moms like rolling her eyes with agony as she drags her kids <laughs> to school. And like, I thought, oh my God, I'm not the only one that it's happened to. So I was kind of happy a little bit, just a little bit to see other parents <laughs> going through this. So I posted something nice on Instagram and somebody from Germany wrote me and he said, you should have fun and be smiling all the times because we haven't seen the sun for like, Two months. Oh. So he commented on the fact that I'm, you know, we live in West Hollywood. So it's about it's the sunny. weather now? I don't know. Well, people comment on whatever they want to, okay, so yeah, I'm fine yeah. with that. Yeah, we're welcoming. Anyway, that, that's it for today. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> what? That. that was one of the weirdest <laughs> sign-offs. It's like, Sign Germany, bad weather. Sign ah, us off. I guess we're done. Thank you all so much for listening to us today and joining us every week. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> Terrible. I was going to say slide into those DMs, shit. but I kept them <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>If you're thinking about having kids, start your search at loveisfamily.com by ORM Fertility. For over 30 years, ORM Fertility has been at the forefront of fertility services, providing personalized care and helping all family types grow. ORM are honored to be a trusted resource for the gay community on their journey to parenthood and are now sharing all they know with you at loveisfamily.com. ORM's expert team 
gives gay parents-to-be all the information they need and guides them through their unique fertility journey, providing expertise, education, and support every step of the way. Over a thousand gay couples and singles from all over the world have started or grown their family with ORM's support and fertility and financial expertise. Find out more at loveisfamily.com, ORM Fertility's online resource for gay dads and LGBTQ plus family building. That is great.